Thank you for joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock. If you like what you hear on the show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.substack.com. That's substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. The Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter is your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about playing drums for Broadway musicals. When you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll learn about what it takes to be a successful pit musician with content delivered directly to your email inbox two to three times a week. For $5 a month or $50 a year, you'll have a backstage pass to the world of a Broadway drummer playing on a hit show. As a paying subscriber, you'll receive behind-the-scenes access to the life of a musician who makes a living on Broadway. You'll also be able to read every post, not just those occasional free ones. You'll get access to all newsletter issues in the archives and have an ability to participate in subscriber-only comments and events. If you become a founding member for a gift of only $75, you'll receive discounted private drum lessons, an opportunity to watch Clayton play in the pit of his show, and a 25% discount on future promotional products. If you'd like to make a direct contribution to the production of this show, you can reach us at Venmo at Clayton-Craddock, Cash App at Syncopated, that's C-I-N-C-O-P-A-T-E-D, or PayPal at Clayton Craddock. Any amount of support will be appreciated. Thank you for listening. Mel Rodman calls me up. I get a phone call. Now, Mel Rodman was a pretty, you know, he was, you know, the John Miller or the Mike Keller of his day. He was contracted. So he calls me up and I'll, I'll never forget. It's like, hi, Paul, this is Mel Rodman. I don't know you, but Stanley Lebowski asked me to call you for cats. Who I met. Hi, Stanley. Hello, Paul. And I played for two weeks. That goes back to like, you never know who's going to be listening to you. I got, I worked for seven years because of those two weeks. The fr- first thing was, it's like, oh, Paul, we want to do a, 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 a recording of a tune of Stanley's. And it was me, Dave Katzenberg, the bass player who did the show. And I'm not sure if Ethan Fine, the guitarist, did it. But basically, that was my audition. I didn't know that was an audition, but I basically wanted to see if I was going to fuck up the session or not and not play well. So, you know, went downhill from there. I didn't fuck it up. And then seven years, man, of cats, seven so years of cats. Did you know anything about the show? Did you think it was, you know, nope. Really? nope. other than, well, I mean, it was big, you know, you know, it, this, this was, this was a bigger deal than Evita. You know, I mean, Evita had all this press coming into it. Now, why know? was Cats bigger than Evita? Because it was a unique. I guess people, I guess people like, like, <laughs> like, it, like animals more than dictators. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, because of the hype. Because of the hype. Look at all these like men and women in these slinky costumes and everything. Mm. Now, I didn't see the 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 the, the movie. Did you see the movie? Yes, I did. You the know, movie made the, more sense to me than the show. Okay. I, okay. I kind of understood 
what it was kind of all about. Okay. <laughs> okay yeah, the, the, the show, unless you know, I mean, it's like, it's like looking at modern art. When you have to read an explanation of what you're looking at, mm. then it's like, okay. Or listening to avant, really avant-garde jazz. It's like, I, 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 I what? I, right. You know, I don't, you know, the liner notes. It's like, uh, okay. I mean, I don't need to read the liner notes to listen to Hank Jones. Right. I understand what Hank Jones is doing, you know. So that was 1983? 82, October 82, a month okay. that will live in infamy. <laughs> <laughs> well, before 82, you were yeah. asked to be part of the Modern Drummer Broadway round. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was during Evita. That was during Evita. Now, why did they pick, do you know why they picked you four? The four of you? Well, isn't it obvious? <laughs> Uh, because we were young drummers, I guess. I don't know. All of us were, I guess, around the same age, you know, and we were all doing successful shows. I, I don't remember. All I remember is, I think, once again, it was Gemignani saying, you know, the modern drummer's going to call you up. I guess they called the public publicity office. Hmm. And he said, I want you to do it. And I said, all right. And you all four were were around a table and I yeah we were sitting I, at a table when I spoke to John recently he's like yeah I think back then I was uh I was smoking a cigarette wasn't I and I said yes yep. he was <laughs> yes he was yes he was and I remember Dorian who I didn't know from Adam before then and I never saw again after that day wow was was basically the first question what's the most important thing get there on time I yes think he did he say said something that. like that yes, and I thought at the time, I thought, God, that's, you know, trite. That's simplistic. It's like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> and it's so true. You got to be there, you know, then you go from there, you know, but you got to be there. You know? yep, it the, it, the, was a it weird... says this. What are the elements necessary to be a successful Broadway drummer? Dorian McGee. Dorian McGee, right? Uh, mm -hmm. That's his name? Yes. He said, mm -hmm. be at the gig on time. As far as being a successful drummer, as in any other business, being on time. Right. Did I say Dorian Hayward? That's an actor, isn't it? No, no. You said yeah, Dorian McGee. Also, okay, I got I, I, I got to read this because I think I read this to John Redsecker. Dorian yeah. said, uh, I consider myself the pulse of whatever show I play. Although mm -hmm. conductors conduct, you can't hear anything but the time. You hear us. Depending on how you feel, the show can be great one night or it can be you know, if you're tired or whatever, you can bring that into the pit, which I try not to do. Basically being aware. Also, people come in and pay $30 for top price tickets. Right. <laughs> and I read that. I was like, $30? Yeah. yeah. God yeah. damn. You, you know, $30 is what you'll pay for a, a bottle of water nowadays <laughs> at a Broadway theater. True. Oh, man, True. that was so funny. No, but that, that, good. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's, very similar to what many people have said to you. Yes. You are, you're running the show. You have to be supportive of the conductor. You have to have the conductor believe you're on their side. Yep. You know, that they understand, you know, if they're doing something weird or what looks odd, you have to be able to interpret that. You have to be able to interpret that. I mean, you know, I, I've been to some shows where as a sub and looked at the conductor and basically said to myself, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? But this was later on where 
it was the Walkman or something where you could learn the show. You, you, I mean, I basically most shows, I, I, I can't say most shows, every show I subbed at, I memorized, you know, so that when I was playing, I'm looking right at the conductor, you know, and say, I'm going with what I'm hearing or what the band is playing. I don't understand what he or she is doing, maybe, but I understand that that doesn't matter because I am giving them what they want. You know, I mean, they, the, the, as a sub, uh, who said this? Probably most people. You don't want to be noticed. You want you at the end of the show. It's like, oh, X wasn't in tonight. You sounded great. You know, I didn't even know he wasn't there. That Check. happened. To, that happened to me once. Check. Uh, That's what you want. When no. I was subbing at Motown, mm-hmm. uh, a trumpet player came in and he's like, he wanted to talk to Buddy. He's like, hey, Buddy. It's like, and then he saw me. Mm-hmm. And that's a compliment. I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah. I sounded like Buddy. Good enough yeah. so that you thought it was him. Yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm only laughing because I subbed for Buddy at Hello, Dolly. The, the last, the, the Hello, Dolly. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I'd never really met him. Before. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, we, it's two different worlds. I mean, he's yes. recording and touring, and right, and he's right. one of the he's one of the gods, man. I don't know, yes, you know, he he's is. he's been around forever. Yes, and still, you know, still, still around, still playing, still working, mm-hmm. still doing, you know, amazing, amazing stuff. But um, that was wild watching him play "Hello Dolly." Yeah, and I, like I didn't see okay. him play that. I just, you know, know him playing the, the groove stuff. I don't yeah. know what it was like playing that. He was grooving. He was grooving a Hello Dolly. I mean, he really? was playing the right. Oh, yeah. He was playing the right I'm stuff. Sure. I mean, you know, a few things I was like, I, 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 I just to myself, it would, I, I would say, I would never think of doing that mm. in this tune. But it worked and there was no, there was no, nobody was questioning it. Right. The music business is where conductors, contractors, producers, stars. Yeah, it can be weird. Speaking of weird, let's go back to cats again. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. It's, so, it's I've I've almost worked my way out of you know out of all the all the my deep deep dark feelings about it. It was a uh, <laughs> you know that show. I tell a story when I came to New York in 1993. I was okay. just eager to meet people. And I was walking in the Times Square area and I saw okay. this person with a look like a saxophone case on their back. And I was like, excuse me, yeah. my name is Clayton Craddock. I just moved to New York City. Uh, just like to introduce myself and meet some musicians. And I wonder, you know, what do you do? He said, he said, yeah, I work at uh, Cats right here in the winter. Okay. I was like, uh, so what's that like being in a Broadway show? He's like, oh, man, you don't want to do this, man. It's like a job. I was like, oh, OK, thank you. Yeah, it's a job. <laughs> I didn't want to do a goddamn job. I wanted to be a rock star, man. I didn't realize that you can have a job playing music that you can either you love it or you don't love it, but you can play music and be a musician and make money yeah. and get a pension and health insurance, stuff that you don't think about when you're 20 oh, yeah. or, or 25. Well, how, I forgot 27, however, however yeah. old I was. But, um, uh, 
Yeah, he yeah. kind of like scared me away from Broadway for like seven years. Well, <laughs> I didn't think about it until the year 2000 when I got a, a bus and truck tour and I started making money playing a show. I was like, wait a minute, this Broadway thing is kind of interesting. But um, you did yes. that for seven years straight and then you you went on to another show. Now, you left that. Why? Well, Why would you leave what, something well, so secure? I had said to... Uh, I remember at one point in the first year or two, say leaning over to Dave Katzenberg, who was right in front of me, the bass player, and saying, "I got, I got five years in me. I don't think I can do this more than five years." And at the end of the seventh year, I was kind of burnt out from it. Maybe I was, maybe I don't know. I took, I remember, I took a leave of absence for three months at one point and I actually played in a percussion ensemble but it was more a, a, a groove thing I was playing congas and timbales and different things like that and that was kind of a lot of fun I remember coming back and like the second day I was felt as heavy and depressed and weighted as wow. I did beforehand yeah I mean there there were there were some problems in the band friction between certain players and it it wasn't helping me at all i i don't want to get into it more than that because right. it is still a loaded thing with me you know yeah, I hear because you. i realize it now as an older musician that sometimes i just don't want to hear some young players not doing what I think is supposed to be done. It just could be a bad, an attitude thing. I, I don't know, but it's just, I realize, oh my God, this must have been so much of a problem to certain people back then. It's over. It's over. So I left to do, I did Three Penny Opera with Sting. I did not just cut out the show, period. I left to do Three Penny Opera with Sting which only lasted about two and a half months. It opened and closed. Yeah. Wow. It was weird. It was really weird. And it was with the orchestra of St. Luke's. That was an orchestra that, that part of them did it. You know, I guess it's like a 20 piece group in that, in that ensemble for, for the show. But I played drum set. And uh, so that closed New Year's Eve of like 1990, I think. Or the first day, I mean, 1989, whatever the hell it was. I remember going to a party of, 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 at, uh, at a bar. And there was a percussionist named Bob Ayers, who, very active, played great timpanist percussion, played, played great. He had opened up a music rental business you know, drums and I guess the amps and all that stuff, but mostly percussion. And he had a, his shop was on 47th Street, 47th between 9th and 10th or something like that. Like a three or four story building. They had their own, the, old, the whole building with like just timpani, drum sets, cymbals, gongs, like everything you could imagine. And at that point, I was so fed up I stopped playing for about a year and a half. I asked him at that, at that night at that bar, do you need a truck driver or something like that? 
I basically worked as a truck driver for him for a year and a half. Wow. I, I, I would go walk into sessions and people would go, hey, Paul, how are you doing? I said, great. Where do you want this timpani? Where do you want the timpani? I'd be bringing <laughs> stuff in. That's where I want my wife's, which if I was working, you know, six days a week at the weird hours that we work, you know, we would have we would have never, you know, gotten together. You know, so she caught me. She caught me at the wrong time. But then I started working again. And she really, unfortunately, was like, holy shit. When are you going to be around? Where are you? What are you doing, man? Mm. No. But she's my first wife and only wife. So it's, we're still together. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. 26-year-old yeah. daughter. Nah, nah. I have a 26-year-old daughter. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I, for a year and a half, basically, I'm not, you know, I don't know if you picked up sticks. I was just like so fried. From wow. from cats, from like my am I Paul Pazuti the person? Am I Paul Pazuti the drummer? How how do they overlap? It was weird. It was a weird time, but it was a good time too to get to get some space. I have a friend, Julio Fernandez, who's the guitarist in Spyrogyro. He's a local guy here. I've known him since the eight. I mean, we we played in some groups together. He said, hey, Paul, we're doing, uh, I'm, I'm playing the jam at the China Club on Wednesday nights. You want to do it? So for, I, I guess I shouldn't say I wasn't playing any drums <laughs> during that year and a half. Because at some point, I started doing that. And that lasted a year. Wednesday night started at midnight, going to like four o'clock. And like, you know, every fucking band in the world came to play in there or people would come and sit in at the China Club. So some great, great drummers, so some great groups. You know, we play one set and then, you know, sometimes we play with other band, with other people. But, you know, it was often groups would come up and play, you know. Hmm. So I'm doing that. I'm also working at a, fr a friend, one of the guys I was in a in that group with when I was a teenager, he started a piano company, basically piano tuning, but piano, he would be two, two pianos. He also refinished pianos, did the whole piano, like, you know, like a Steinway finish, a Bosendorfer finish, like just amazing stuff. And I worked with, he asked, oh, if you're not doing anything, I'll give you, you know, like five bucks an hour and we'll hang out all day, you know, and you'll help me. So I did that for about a year before, you know, during the day. And then sometimes I'd, I'd go to the China Club. So it was weird. I, it was with my wife or with my girlfriend at the time. Then I get a phone call from Ron Sell, who was a French horn player. He's passed away a while ago. He was he worked for Gemignani as a contractor. He would contract a lot of things. Assassins had run already however it ran in, in its first iteration i think it was off broadway i'm not sure it's, it, we're doing an album do you want to do it and like, so i kind of jokingly i didn't do it to him but like i i guess i had a date book i'm looking at my date book and it's like you know it looks like the great north and a whiteout you know so it's like yeah i'm free you know so i did the assassins album which I had no idea what the music was. I, I knew anything about it other than it was about presidential assassins, you know? So I do that. So, you know, Gemignani is like, 
how you doing? You know, you stopped, everybody, everything. Okay, I say everything's fine. Everything's fine. Then I get a phone call to do Crazy for You. That got me started again. A, uh, Susan Stroman was the so choreographer. They pulled you back in. It's like they the pulled mafia me dude. back in. Just can't leave. <laughs> the second coming, all position, whatever. So crazy. So you, you did Crazy for You, and uh, that lasted for. I think I think I left there before it closed. It was in the middle of the second year. Uh, a Christmas Carol started at what's whatever it is now it was the Felt Forum back then. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it was one of those. It was kind of like a Radio City thing. It was like ninety shows over the course of a month or two. It was just really crazy. Now I'm thinking. You know, big, the show Big was coming in supposedly in springtime. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? Instead of, you know, going back to Crazy for You for a month or so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit it and take off and just relax for a while. Mm. So I said, you know, I thought about it. I think, I don't know if Jody and I, Jody and I had just gotten married. It's like, yeah, that'd be great. I'll be fine. Got money in the bank. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Quit the show. Big gets pushed back six months. And we're pregnant. Mm. <laughs> so I was subbing a crazy for you which was easy. I didn't have to learn, learn it. I remember calling Ron Tierno and saying, Ron, if you know, I, I know you probably have a lot of subs, but if you need anyone, you know, I'm around. And we laughed, you know, aha, uh -huh, okay, yeah. He said, I, I got, you know, I'm covered, but you know. He calls me up like, I think a couple of days later and said, are you free? X Y. He, he gives me a whole shitload of dates because he people weren't free for when he did. So I started subbing at cats again. Ooh. I subbed. At, yeah, I'm subbing back at cats. What was I that was like? Subbing, wait, wait, go back. What was that like going? What was back that like? To, yeah, you're like, oh god, I got it. It's like going back to your ex-wife. You're like, he had ex-wife. No, it wasn't quite. Wasn't quite that bad. Okay. Wasn't quite that bad. Right. It it was. Yeah, no, it wasn't. You know, no matter what I went through. In the eighties, there it was. It was a different time period. It was fine. It was fine, and I knew the show. I didn't have to think about it. You know, I mean, I, I played it well, but I kind of played my show. You know, I mean, Ron. You know, I saw him play it. Did the conductor give you notes? No, nobody gave nobody gave me any notes. Nobody gave me notes. You know, usually, usually I'd be fired, and they'd tell me after the fact that I wasn't called back because they didn't want you as a sub. <laughs> That's happened a couple of times. And I and they said, well, you know, we don't know. I said, I knew I was I knew I was fired. You didn't have to tell me. You know? mm. So th that's a that's a funny thing, too. So. I'm subbing there and I sub uh, 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 Ray Marchico was doing how to succeed with with Matthew Broderick. I saw he got me to sub for him. Oh, what else? I, I was subbing about five or six shows. I know that um, uh, four more shows other than I, I don't crazy for you and cats don't count really because I knew them, you know, but there was a bunch of other shows that I've said that. 
Then big opened and closed in six months. It didn't do well, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Yikes. It was, uh, it was, but so I don't know. Where are we? Like 96? 96, yes. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I remember doing more subbing. I remember subbing at, at Jekyll and Hyde, which was kind of wild, a wild show. Jim Saparito had the drum chair. And Randy Max, who was uh, who has since passed away, was the timpanist. Randy Max was the was the timpanist in the New Jersey Symphony. He was great, great guy, great guy. And J- Jim is a great drummer and a great percussionist. And he had to set up. There was uh, a taiko drum, you know, the big ass Japanese over his head. Wow. That's the only place they could put it. There was one tune where he just played, and he like wailed on the thing. It was like, oh, this is fucking great, man. You know? <laughs> but you had to play orchestra bells. You know, there was like, you know, Hyde would like, you know, or, or Jekyll, whatever. The, you know, you hear, you know, like a bell tone. And I remember one time, my back is turned, and you kind of see the conductor in a mirror, and I fucked up completely. And I was like, oh, this is great, man. This is, this is great. But, and you had to run. There were three or four steps where Randy was behind you. And you had to go up there and play concert bass drum, some piatti, and, and other stuff up there. So it was back and forth and playing. And I played that for a while. I took over for Jim. He left to do uh, uh, Fosse, I think, a, a musical called Fosse. Mm. And Jim's a great, Jim is a great musician. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from Ray. Watching Ray play, watching Jim play, you know. Then Jim and Yanni's doing the, the uh, Paul calls me up for uh, Kiss Me Kate. I guess it's in 98 or 99, something 99, like that. 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it definitely went through 9-11 was we we stayed open a bit uh, another couple of months after that you know but that was fun that was that was a lot of fun and you know i mean jeb Je- paul gemignani you know basically gave me most of my work i mean i've worked for other conductors you know but uh he he's the one who most often would would call me for things. And uh, over the past 10, 15 years, you know, everything he did at the roundabout, he did a lot of roundabout productions that I always did. If not me, Larry Lelly. And Larry's somebody you should talk to. Oh, so yeah. Larry's yeah. been around for a while. He's great musician, conductor, conducts great, plays drums, plays percussion. Really good. Really good. I remember meeting Larry Vaguely, I remember. He remembers meeting me more than I remember meeting him. I think it was at Kiss Me Kate. But uh, he could tell you about that. I don't, I don't remember. It was, it was good. It was good. It wasn't anything negative. But uh, it's, it, well, I mean, look, looking back, look at Evita. Here's this multi-million dollar production about to open. And they get a new drummer in two days before it opens. You know, I mean. It's like things don't always go as planned. I think they thought, well, you know, this other young guy we got, well, he can play the rock stuff. Yeah, it might, he might have been able to, but he couldn't read very well. And then it's like, well, 
I'm just talking to the conductor and he believes everything I'm saying. I could have been a psychotic. Who knows who I was? You know? <laughs> and I go in and, you know, I, I, I did it. I did it. I guess I did what I was supposed to do, you know? So it, 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 it can be, I mean, I think it's a lot less iffy these days. People, people either know each other more or there's more of a, an online presence that where you can see about someone's past, you know, whereas, you know, if you can find anything from me, I'd be amazed. Yeah. It's not uh, easy. Not easy. No, it's not easy, not easy. <laughs> but I mean, two, so I, there was one other time I wanted to, to, to just to talk about that. I'm, if, if I got any uh, 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 pride at all, it was at least doing that Evita thing and, and keeping the gig and not fucking up. And like, actually, I guess I did sight read the show, not, not at the show, but I did sight read it with the piano player. And then, you know, the next thing I know I'm with the orchestra. I'm doing Patty. I'm doing gypsy with Patty LuPone. So she's doing the show on Broadway. We do is the Tonys. And, you know, the orchestra is up in a separate room and, you know, it's like, so I think we went in to do a rehearsal during the day. You know, everything's coming up roses, the big, you know, ball buster to the crazy, crazy tune, you know. Go back home. Come back in to, uh, to New York. And it's, it's at Radio City and the orchestra's upstairs. So we play the tune. You know, everybody's happy, screaming, you know, she's, you know, the belter. She's a... I'm at Port Authority, getting on the bus back to Hoboken. And I see um, my phone, right? And it's John Beale, who, John Beale is a legendary bass player. John, John has done everything. He's, if you ever do a bass player podcast, or you could check, <laughs> you know, Richie Rosenzweig? You know, Richie? I... Don't think I know him. I know who he is. Richie's doing the new cut, the new uh, company. Okay, he's doing okay. the new company, and he's got a, a podcast called "Big Noise from Planet Earth," where mm. it's him talking to bass players. And John is the last bass player of this season that he talks to. John has a, an amazingly varied career, but he did the Tonys for like thirty plus years. You know in the orchestra. So I'm seeing it, it's John Beal. Oh, hey, yes, John, I see how, that. Yeah. How you doing? And John says, hey, Paul, you still in New York? I mean, and he's like, he, he I, 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 I love John. You know, it's like, he's very like, you know, calm. I said, yeah, I'm just getting on the bus. He said, oh, Ronnie, Ronnie's not feeling real well at the moment. So something he ate, I think. Can you come back and, and play the rest of the broadcast? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. So I get off the bus. I'm at 42nd and 8th. And I take a cab up there to 50th Street, you know, the back of Radio City. And I'm going upstairs and I'm saying, what did I just say I'm going to do? <laughs> so I get off at the seventh floor and Ronnie, Ronnie Zito is outside. And I said, oh, great. He's OK. He doesn't need me. He's like. Hey, Paul, man, I'm glad you're here. I'm really, and it's like, okay. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so I go in and it's the whole fucking Tony orchestra. You know, it's the whole big, you know, 
Jim Pugh, Bob Milliken, Tony Catholic. I mean, great Lawrence Feldman. I mean, he's just like, you know, the creme de la creme mm. of New York recording, of world recording. And so I get behind the drums and it's like, yeah, and Elliot Lawrence, it's, this was an Elliot Lawrence was still alive. It was his orchestra. And, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, you, you I'd never worked with Elliot before. He was just happy that someone was there, you know, that I guess wasn't going to get sick and fall over. And it's like, well, when the winners come up, here's the five tunes and you got to pick, you know, he'll start conducting and then you get, and it's like, okay. And these are the tunes we're going to do between, you know, for the playoffs and play ons. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay and then it's like you know okay 10 9 eight. oh my god okay and john said oh, i'll help you through it don't worry about it <laughs> and so half an hour goes by and i played the tony broadcast live wow and the only thing i fucked up was gypsy That's because funny. it was like not an arrangement that you know i was like reading it, but it was like slightly, I didn't fuck it up, fuck it up. But I was just like, oh, that's what I was supposed to play. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I, I, you know, I, I, I thought that was like, well, okay, there'd be something, you know, that I could put on my gravestone. Went back to the show the next day and uh, the sax player or the next day or two days, whatever. And Adam Culker was one of the Read players. Now, Adams, you know, plays. I saw him play a lot of jazz. I think I got his one of his first CDs where it was John Abercrombie and John E. Bear playing bass and Paul Motion playing drums. And I, th I think he said he told Motion, yeah, the drummer, like he just, you know, went in and played the last half hour of Sight And like Motion's, oh, I can't do that, man. <laughs> I couldn't do that. It's like, well, Paul, neither could this Paul. He just faked <laughs> his way through it. But I, it was just, it was like playing to a track, play, to be perfectly honest. It was like, I was like playing to somebody's recording. The, the, the band sound, it was so easy. It was, it was not terrifying because it was so easy to do. It just sounded so perfect that, you know, oh, I'm just playing along with a record. Here. Mm. That's what it sounded like. That's what playing at the Saint at, at, at Hello Dolly sounded like playing for Buddy. The band was so tight and sounded so good that oh, I, I, it wasn't like all I did was go for long for the ride, but it was like playing to this perfect track. It was like sometimes it's like sometimes it's just great. Sometimes it, it, it I remember looking after I went in to see the show finally, you know, to, to sub for him. Mm -hmm. I remember listening, you know, practicing it. And it wasn't that hard. It was like an old classic Broadway show. And it just like this is this is not, you know, I didn't feel like 
any tumbling in my stomach or anything weird. It was like, this is, you know, this is fine. As long as I play with the bass player, the trumpets and the brass and the horn, the, all the, it was just perfect. Tell me about the transition from the, I guess, not having monitors to having this, the hot spots to having headphones to not having a click to show always having a click most mostly. Was it something that you just gravitated towards and just figured out? Say, okay, I got to take this on. You got to do this next. Like when I talked to some drummers that were doing a lot of studio work in the seventies and the drum machine came out, they're like, oh man, either you adapt to it or you find a way around it. Right. Or you do both. Right. Uh, what was your experience okay. like with, with the, the monitoring system and, and how you adjusted to that? And also, with shows doing mostly click tracks now? Well, I, I would say the vast majority of the work I've done is without a click track on Broadway. Uh, maybe that's because of the conductor I work with most, mostly. Paul Gemini does not like the click track unless you have to absolutely have it in the show if they need to double track some vocals while the dancers are singing and they can't sing full out. So likewise, you know, if I had, well, for example, at, 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 uh, I've subbed at Aladdin, there's no click, but I have the, the, the headset on as loud as my ears can take it you know, which I'm going to be going to Costco soon to get my, uh, my, uh, hearing aids, <laughs> but it, it's, this is a click. I'm glad not to think so. Um, Dolly, I had the headset on and, you know, I probably, I think I had like my, my union ear earbuds in you know to and then the headset over that and just cranked it up loud was that i could hear everything clearly you know yeah i i i just haven't done a, i mean i'm being honest i haven't done a lot of shows with click tracks you know and that's the, the, that's been the way my career has gone you know and so i i i I do know I mean, one example, what, what, what I did the show called the frogs at, at uh, Lincoln Center. And it's in the, the, the stage is the, the orchestra is kind of like in a horseshoe around the stage. And once again, it's, you know, Paul Gemignani and the sound was putting in these monitors, you know, around the horseshoe and he's like well what are you putting them for well that way the other side of the orchestra could hear here and it's like there's no delay and he said no it's an orchestra they know how to play together mm. very old school i wouldn't say i don't even put it that old school very acoustic very you know so i mean the contemporary shows like you know Kinky Boots, Moulin Rouge, all this. I mean, it's a lot more pop oriented. You know, you mm -hmm. have to hear what's going on. I think you have to hear what's going on exactly to be able to play with everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I, 
I, oh my God, I just remembered. Uh, I subbed that uh, Larry, Larry Lelly was doing Million Dollar Quartet. I don't know if you've ever seen it or know about the show. Yeah. I had to memorize, I had a couple of lines <laughs> and you had to memorize all the music. And it was loud on stage. The band, when, when the band, when, when Carl Perkins would kick into it, it was great. But you know, I've just played in so many odd situations, Clayton. I wouldn't say odd. It's just that this is, this is uh, not what I have had to deal with. Not what I had to deal with, you know, headphones, you know, a few times, but click tracks. No, I remember going to see Ray play Mamma Mia once. And he was nice enough to like, he said, all oh, I got subs, but if you want to come down and check it out. And Ray's a great player. Ray, a, a, super consistent, plays great. And I'm looking, I'm saying, he's got to control the click for the band. He's got to, you know, at times you don't play. See, if I'm going to, I feel sometimes like if I have a click, it's, oh, I did a weird show. Okay. Remind me, come fly away after this. It's the story, you know, the Sinatra thing. I just saw what Ray was doing. And also he's got the most, cons not, not to put him above anybody else, but he's got a really consistent rim shot backbeat. You know, not that any of the other drummers you talk to don't, except me. I'm looking and I'm saying, <laughs> he's got to, he's turning on and off the click track. Every, every backbeat's got to be a rim shot, you know, a nice wow, solid. Really? Thing. And, and yeah, I mean, but, but Ray's got the, the technique. I mean, th that's what I remember. I just remember there's too many variables here for me to learn it. I think I had the music and I was like, I know the tunes. It's not like that, but it's, you know, you know, luckily something else probably came up at that point. I don't even remember when I looked at him, saw him play, but, but it's been years, you know, anyway, you know, he had me sub at the new, uh, uh, Miss Saigon, which was, that was fun and wacky at the same time. That was like wild. Cause I mean, I took a picture of the drum set, the setup, and it was like, people are looking at us like, what the fuck is that? I mean, it's just like drums, taiko, extra set of hi-hats with Chinese symbols on them. So you're getting a clang, orchestra bells, temple blocks. Uh, uh, let's see, that was on one side. Behind you, it was a full set of crotales, a xylophone, some, uh, uh, then you had to move to the percussion chair to play some walk down and play some uh, chimes and marimba, you know, very simple marimba. You know, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong, but you still had to play, <laughs> had to play it right. You know, that was, that was a lot of fun. Ray, Ray has always been a sweetheart to me and very, you know, that's great that he just like, you know, and the drums were like, you know, like he, 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 he got, his pearl set or the pearl set there. It's just like, you know, it was like, you didn't have to exactly play what he played for fills and stuff. Although I tried to, but like, I, I can't get out of my own ego. Sometimes it's hard. <laughs>
but so it was it it was great. It was great. What was the other fly, one? Come fly away. Come fly away. Sinatra. The band is all these Sinatra veterans or bassy people. Wow. Jay Anderson was playing bass, who is great. Russ Kassoff was the the leader. Jim Titterillo, I think, playing guitar. All great, 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 great players with long histories of this music. There's a click in this show. There was a click that I think Ross did, Russ Kassoff did to Sinatra's vocals. So it's a very, that only the rhythm section is hearing. The horns don't have that. They're not listening to me playing to a click. I'm playing. I had to sort of figure out, well, what's happening right in this section where the click gets a little, is it, is it moving around a little bit? It's going with the vocals. But am I just going to play? Some, it was very interesting. It was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Just playing with these people. But it was that that was strange there that, that's that there's a click experience that i had that was not quite like your regular click a normal was the click. click moved in tempo yeah yeah really wow yeah well i mean you know i'm sure if you put a click to the sinatra tunes it was as near as perfect as it probably could get but for whatever reason they put a click one tune they did a version of take five don't ask me why take five was in the show, but they did take five. And that was without a click. And that was the hardest tune for me to play because I was so used to playing with the click that it, it was, it was weird for me. It was weird. It was, it was great. The band sounded great. I mean, it was a small group, but so it was like maybe more exposed and you got a drum solo. And plus, I'm playing a drum solo. Wow. Yeah, like take five. I mean, not exactly the, I don't think you're playing the Morello solo, right. you know, or anything like that. But so that was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a click person. I'm not, I'm not, you know, the, the, the avionics and clicks and, and quantum, quantum mechanics and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm not, you know. <laughs> I hear you. When people started, when I first started hearing clicks on Broadway, or of clicks. Um, I mean, yeah, they, take it with a grain of salt. You know, my 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 comment, my comment about myself always. But who am I? I heard someone say, "Then there's no argument with the choreographer. Or something slower or faster. You know, it's it's always this." I remember doing a summer stock tour when I was 19 of No No Nanette, an old, old musical, old Broadway musical. It was one of the new revivals in the 70s that all of a sudden was a big hit because it was, you know, from the 1920s. I don't know. The lead comes over to the one of the pianos. It was two pianos and percussion. That was the tour that we did. She comes over to the leader and says, oh, that tempo was too fast. You know, yeah, slow it down a little bit. And he's like, uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. She walks away and he says, turns to me and says, don't do anything differently. I said, okay. We play the tune again. She comes over and says, oh, that was great. And he smiles at her and he turns to me and says, you see? 
<laughs> so, okay, jumping in time 40 years, 30 years, whatever. Clicks start happening. And it's like, yes, it makes it more right and more dependable time-wise. But to me, and who am I? That's what Broadway is. It's the conductor interacting with the orchestra, interacting with the stage. So is it Broadway? Yeah, it's Broadway, but it's not the classic Broadway. And things change. Things change. On pop shows, yes, it, it makes sense for there to be that locket. You know, I never heard, for example, speaking of, of uh, the, the, the grand rabbi, Warren Oates, I never heard the life, the show we did. But the band, they must have been grooving. And I don't think they had a click back in the early 80s. You know, they could have. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I imagine, you know, bands, you just set the, the drummer and the rhythm section were trusted and played. You know, not that you're not trusted now, but clicks have become so ubiquitous, you know, rather than this is what it feels like. This is what it's supposed to feel like. It's become ubiquitous. It's become a quotidian. I love the word. It, it's <laughs> like, you know, to think that it's not going to be there is like, what? There's no click? How is that possible? You know, how can you do it without a click? More things are on the click or quantized or whatever. And it's like people are used to that. It's not the and, and, and conductors are used to that. And the feeling is that, you know, if ABC, you know, A through Z has done this, A through W, then if we're X, we have to do that because that's what everyone's used to. You know, I mean, it's not, you know, unless you go into a, a, a really, you know, I mean, I was a little surprised at Come From Away that there was a click track. But it's, it's you kind of play with the click. It's kind of interesting that it was um, movable. And I'll, I'll use that lightly in the sense that, you know, at times it was like, you know, I mean, there's certain Sinatra tunes where all of a sudden, you know, like you might slow down and it just, you know, it was swinging, Clayton. Believe me, I, I had a ball playing it, but it was, <laughs> it was, once I realized I could ignore it and just use it as a kind of like a signpost. Yes. You know, I mean, I'm no Vinny Caliuto or anybody else like that who was, you know, Weckl or, you know, I mean, they have innate time, but they also, they can, you know, make a make a click track sound invisible like it's not really there was they're playing the time so well it's just a different thing old broadway was more that you know that liaison period or the period between opera you know i mean it, it's like the people's opera the, the stage productions you know interesting and and you know it, it's contemporary contemporary music was still jazz you know or big band or swing you know up to when rock came, when 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 uh, 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 you know hair and all that kind, it's a completely different animal. You know, Godspell, all those things. Are, you know. There wasn't any click track back in Godspell and all that stuff, no. right? 
No, no. But there could have been. I don't know if there wasn't a new one that Shannon played, who I don't really know. And I shouldn't. I'm not saying it in the disparaging way. Right. I'm just saying I would be surprised if the new Evita or I don't know. Did Evita have click? No, it didn't. OK, that's great. That's that's interesting. I should yeah. say that's interesting. I, I, I Did Hello say, Dolly? Did Hello Dolly have a clue? No, no. See, yeah, no. They, you know, things can. But that's an old school show. Yeah. The so, conductor was wait was expecting the band to play. And it was like, you know, I mean, just what Buddy played was time so simple. But so perfect. Mm. Just to, to, as a back as a backdrop to what was going on, you know, and but some things were like I had to like what really mm. that's great, but I would never think of doing a Purdy shuffle in this tune. <laughs> <laughs> but it was subtle. It was subtle, and I'm listening. I'm saying, is that what he think he's doing, man? Is that something? All right. So well, let me uh, fast forward to 2019. You did Kiss Me, Kate. Yes, again, a revival of it. Yeah, that was. Was there uh, a click track on that? No, no, no. So no. they, you know, I mean, and also at Roundabout at the at Studio Fifty Four, the orchestra is on set up on two different sides of the theater in the boxes. Hmm. Yeah. So I had, I mean, I think I had the Avion. Believe it or not, just a speaker. I don't even think I had. I don't remember if I had a an earbud or not. And, and you know, I could hear the the horns from the other side, and I just played with them that way. The original Kiss Me Kate was done in the theater where Moulin Rouge is, and the band was set up like a regular, you know, pit. And that was you could hear everything. There was no, there was definitely no uh, speakers in that. There was one other no speakers. One other thing I'd like to ask you. Yes. Going from only one. <laughs> <laughs> going from the the seventies till today, seeing how the pits were actually Broadway pits, and the sound would go out. Yeah. Everything yeah. being mic'd. Yeah. Uh, to then going into drum booths and having yeah. a, everyone being separate, you saw the evolution of all that. Must have been interesting <laughs> to say, "All right, your show now. You're going to be in a drum booth." Were you like, "What? What do you mean? I'm going to be in dr the drum booth? Why can't I be with the rest of the orchestra?" Did you see that, you know, coming, or were you just well? With with me, it was more, you know, putting uh, you know panels around me. I wasn't necessarily in a dedicated booth in the shows that I've done. You know, not like. Uh, you know, once again, I'll just go back to Ray doing Mamma Mia. That was like the first time I saw a booth. You know, he was in a booth, you know, doors and, you know, the whole thing. I, I wasn't hired for those shows. You know, I, I through, through the grace of the powers that be, and I mean, mostly contractors, I'm not talking about a higher power. <laughs> uh, I, I just, you know, whatever I've done was like, you know, not that was not the genre, you know, like I, I'm not the person to. To talk about in any intelligent sort of way about drum booths or, or, or the separation that much. I, I don't mean that. I mean, the, the question is intelligent. What I'm saying is my experience. Right, right was never like that. I mean, at Cats, I remember, was the first time I was in a show where the orchestra was on stage. 
behind, but behind the scenery. But we were in an open, an open, you know, floor, and the trumpet, you know, the, the most of the band was on on floor. Uh, it was stage, whatever that part of stage is, stage left, stage right, the right side of the stage. I've only been doing Broadway for 40, for 50 years. I still don't know what stage left and stage right is. So <laughs> there and up top were three trumpets and two trombones and a vocal booth, you know, for backup singers up top. So but nothing was enclosed. Nothing was enclosed. It was live sound. You know, I must admit when I saw the show once because I was interested in seeing what it was like the first year that it was done. And I was it then or I might have heard it. The first time I heard it, the sound was pretty good. You could hear everything. The second time, it sounded like synthesizers and drums and the occasional solo instrument. You know, oh, there's the oboe. Oh, there's the trumpet. Da, 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 you know, the, the heavy side layer thing or whatever. So the sound people, the producers, the director decide what they want you to hear, what they want you to hear. I was used to sub it. The producers is an interesting thing. I, I subbed there for Larry Lelly. Larry was doing it when I was there, when I, uh, I was doing it when he was there. Uh, went to see the show. You know, my, my wife got tickets for Father's Day. I went with my mother-in-law and her. I went down to the pit, said, you know, hi to, you know, whoever was talking to me. Yeah, not everyone's talking to me. And then I went back to the, the seat. We're like six, seven rows back. The overture starts. It sounded like someone was punching you in the face with the music. It was like a, a, a technicolor musical on steroids. The choreographer, who shall remain nameless, Susan Stroman, loves everything to be as loud as possible. And then the dance accents will be louder even. So I remember the show starts with like a, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was some subtle choke symbol stuff. And it's like, can't even hear it. Can't even hear it. It's just a blah, it's blast, you know, and it didn't sound, no, no acoustic sound at all. I heard no acoustic sound at all with everything coming from the speakers. And that's the way it is. That's, that's the way it is. It's like movies, albums. It's not like a, a, it, it's live in that the band is live, but it's not like what, what I think of as live sound. I don't know. I mean, I, I, last thing I once saw after 9-11, when the Winter Garden was finally opened again, I remember going there with my wife and daughter, and they're actually having, going to be doing a concert, uh, the Concertgebouw Wind Ensemble or European Orchestra or something, but it was the wind, oboes and bassoons and stuff. And I could hear them on stage, you know, just they were playing through something. And it's like, oh, this is nice. The acoustic sound, you really have to listen. You know, then the sound man turned the sound, the microphones on. And it was like, I don't want to listen to an oboe or a bassoon through a speaker because it sounds like an oboe or a bassoon through a speaker. You know, I like, I like a smaller, more intimate thing, but that's, that's just me, you know. So I, I, I've always, with sound people, I've always like, you know, um, God bless them, they have to work. But it's like, I've done things with singers where it's like, could you turn the monitor down? And it was still loud. Could you just turn this monitor off? 
I can I can hear the singer perfectly well from where I'm sitting mm. or through other monitors. I do not need this monitor at nine, you know, and you won't put it down. Low, so just turn it off. I, I, I can get curmudgeonly, you know, sometimes. <laughs> get but off my again, lawn. I'm not working a lot these days, so <laughs> it's great. It's working out all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> Well, after 50 years of working many, many shows, it's pretty impressive, yeah. man. You've done so much. Yeah. Over the past, over those decades, did you ever get uh, endorsements from drum companies? <laughs> this is going to be short. No. Really? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, how I never pursued. Are... I never pursued any. Okay. I like, I like Pearl. I like GMS when I played them. I like DW, except for their hardware. I think their oh hardware God, it's too is heavy. It's the an worst. abomination. <laughs> it's just like, it's like I hurt myself trying to untighten and move things, you know? I don't know who thought of that, man. I was, the drums I, are great. The drums yeah, are great. Are. I don't have nothing. I have no problem with most drums, except maybe Kent or Zimgar. You know, Damn. I mean, my first set of drums was Zimgar. Set. Sears. Wow, orange sparkle, orange sparkle. <laughs> but um yeah no so i i never pursued any i never i, I clayton i'm like this is going to be a short section just like walking talking about the history of uh click tracks on broadway <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry you know what make up something <laughs> <laughs> he was the north endorser remember north yeah north big, drums yes <laughs> yes he used North exclusively until they went out of business, <laughs> and then it devastated him, and he could not find another company with that's that why North he, sound. That's why he quit Cats. <laughs> yeah, I look back. So they couldn't me. fit the drums. They couldn't <laughs> fit the drums in the pit. <laughs> I do remember looking at Modern Drummer and seeing those drums. It was like, what? Oh, oh yeah, man. Those are wild. Those are wild. Yeah. I knew some people who had them. And really? It's like, yeah, I guess the sound goes out, but doesn't the sound go out normally anyway? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a great gimmick. It looks great. I you know. 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 Did Cobham have them? Cobham ever have them? I don't no, know. I know he used the, the octaton, the top, you know, the, yeah. the camera stuff and all that shit. I but. wonder how how you pack up those North drums. I mean, did they have like cases <sighs> that were like yeah i uh, mean they look weird. like giant mushrooms i mean like you know like the cornucopias you know like you know and you can put your <laughs> holiday turkey in it too while you're waiting with freezer packs no I don't, <laughs> I don't know i have no endorsements i have no life what else <laughs> and you are retired now i i am i am retired I've, I've, uh, as I started collecting my pension about a, a, a year ago, 2019, late, late 2019. And then the, uh, the, the proverbial shit hit the fan in March, 2020. Mm. I've been playing, I was playing a bit in the beginning of 2020 and, you know, the, the end of 2019, I was sort of, yeah, I won't get into it. It was yeah. not important, <laughs> but I was doing some stuff and then the thing happened, you know, the thing happened. And uh, if there was a third revival of cats and they're like, Paul, I want you to play it. Would you do it? Well, first of all, Paul wouldn't do it. 
I'm pretty sure he wouldn't do it. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think my, my, my days of watching someone wave their hands in front of me are, are over, you know, maybe. I don't know. I, I would never say never, but it's. It could, it'll run for another 13 years, but I want you to play all 13. <laughs> well, if the pension stays okay, then I really don't have to worry about it. Mm. I really shouldn't worry about it. No, I, I was fortunate at the time when I was, I don't want to get into the pension discussion because that oh, could yeah, be yeah. open up a can of worms, but I'm, I'm fortunate. I've got what I've got. I'm very, very fortunate. Very grateful for it. I want to be like you because I'm ready to retire. Actually, I'm not really ready, but I, I'm ready to move to another level, just like you. I will get there. Uh, I don't know. You've got, you've got, I mean, I you've got, got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, Clayton, that all seem very intelligent, and very, very good to do. And I, you know, other than playing, I'd just say you, you, you know, it, it's playing has been great in some ways. Playing has been you know, a mixed blessing in other ways for me. When I stop and look back and I think, wow, I mean, I've been doing this since I was like 18, you know, doing shows. And before that, I was playing and I was having, I think I was having fun. Then school, was I having fun at school? I don't remember. I just kind of let, all of a sudden it's like I'm 67. I mean, it's like, wow, you know. Hey man, you've done, you know, I got, I've only I, been doing this 21 years. You've been doing it 50. I got 30 more years to, to, yeah, yeah. I don't have 30 more years, man. <laughs> well, that I'd be well, 80, 85. I, I, <laughs> I'm not doing I, it. Well, look at Roy. Look at Roy Haynes, man. He's 94. Yeah. He's still playing, but That's, he's Roy Haynes. Yeah, too, exactly. Man. I'm just you Clayton know. Craddock. Last story. Last. Well, yeah, this is fine. You can edit the Brian Brake. I, I subbed for him at The Boy From Oz, which was uh, Hugh Jackman story, solo story, a solo uh, act about Peter, uh, Peter, uh, a songwriter. Oh, my God. Peter, who's married to Eliza Minnelli. Peter Allen. Peter Allen. Thank you. So Brian <laughs> asked me to sub. And I don't remember the bass player. I don't, Dan McMillan was playing percussion. Brian's kit was a five-piece kit. He had a wood block. He had two 18s, I think like a K, and an 18 Sabian that was like a, not a pristine model symbol. And he said, well, I got to crack it. It sounds fine. I don't need to, you know, get a, put a good symbol in here. He just had this small kit. He sounded great. It was such a pleasure scene. And he said, oh, yeah, at the beginning of the second act, we go on stage and we play with, with Jackman. I said, you do what? He said, yeah, and there's no music. We kind of just play whatever he has. <laughs> wow. So I played a few shows, and I'm sure I got axed after a few shows. But it was a great experience playing the show. And my wife, just as an example of, like, she said, you, you're playing Boy From Oz tonight for the first time, aren't you? And I said, yeah. You don't seem that nervous. And I said, well, the song is just, it's just playing tunes. And the, the band plays so great. And Brian, I, I, it's not that, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say it's not that hard because Brian is Brian. And I'm 
Paul. You know, I'm not Brian. And I don't have the experience Brian has playing so much out of the pit. Just something that that many people say, you've got to bring, when you play Broadway, it's versions of the music that you're playing. Types of, an example of, it's not the true music, but you've got to know the true music to be able to play the Broadway version. You, know, you got to know the real stuff well enough that you can deal with this or whatever and know what that person means and know what it means to the music. You know, it's like to play as much as possible and do as many things as possible is the most important thing. Oh, thank you very, very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate the, the, the call and I appreciate your patience. In no. listening to me talk and no, in allowing great. me to do this, really, Clayton. Thank you. I will see you soon. Okay. And uh, enjoy your semi-retirement because I know you're back playing. And yeah, it, it's it's still it, it's it's hard it's like, to stop. It's like the mafia. It's like the mafia. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, Clayton. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. Head over to the Broadway Drumming 101 YouTube page where you'll find unedited conversations that I've had with some of your favorite musicians. On the YouTube page, you're going to find bonus content that I don't feature on my Instagram page or here on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and click on that little bell at the top so that you'll be notified when a new video is uploaded. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more.